Hello and welcome to mm, Movies, Murder and Mayhem. Uh, true crime, true horror, the true stories behind some of our favourite horror films and some of our not so favourite horror films. Um, I'm Egraine and then there is my co-host. And, and I'm Ruby. I'm not allowed to say the name of the show anymore because I got it wrong the last time. <laughs> you know what? Next episode you can do the intro. I'll and I'll probably fuck it up again. But until that day... <laughs> We live in hope. <laughs> I'll get How cue cards for you. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you? Uh, I'm the same. I think we both had quite long days. We're both, and we've both been trying to record this episode for about three weeks now. <laughs> yes, because I did say I was going to do three episodes last week, and it just didn't happen because. Yeah, life gets in the way, and St. Patrick's Day gets in the way. It does, especially when you have a child and you have to make last minute costumes for their parade and yeah <laughs> were they in the local parade they were well we had to walk with Nate so we were in the local parade but I had to make him a little butterfly <laughs> oh that's adorable I did as um most born and bred Dubliners do and I stayed inside and sh- shut all the curtains God forbid you look outside, you might make eye contact with a marching band and then you're stuck doing parade things for the rest of the day. No, no, no. No, I we did come home straight away and it was straight back into our pyjamas and into bed. So <laughs> good. And true to true St. Patrick's Day tradition. I uh yeah, I haven't been I haven't been to a parade since I was I was a kid. I think I am not I'm not made for it. I can understand going to them when you have kids, because like, you know, the kids love that shit. But I do not. <laughs> right, let's get into this then, what we're meant to be doing. Um, let's kick off with yours this this month. I am going to cover, in a more general sense, Irish folk, uh, not Irish folklore, that's huge, that's a huge topic. Um, the she, uh, the fair folk, the little people, Irish fairies, because... I had a, a stroke of genius and I was like, I know I'll do leprechauns because we did all the leprechaun movies last year and tortured ourselves for several hours. And then I looked up leprechauns and really the most interesting thing is their rise as a capitalist icon. So, um, which is not really, I mean, it's somewhat related to the horror movie franchise, I guess, but it's not that interesting for this particular podcast. So I kind of looked into um, the history of Irish fairies as a concept overall. Um, and I was quite pleasantly surprised to find some new things that I'd found out and uh, and some interesting things. So I will give you a short history of the Irish wee folk. So, and I did not know this. Please tell me if you did. The Irish fairies are directly descended or possibly just are the two of the Danon. Were you aware of this? I was aware of that, yeah. So, because I always, like, when I was listening to uh, to folk tales um, and things growing up, the two of the island were, uh, you know, tiered and oak, eight feet tall, literal gods. And then the fairies, the she, were tiny, mischievous, ugly little bastards. So you can see how I didn't necessarily connect the two in my head. Maybe the two of her just had to, like, you know, they had to downsize after a while. And, uh... Thus became well. The there is an explanation, <laughs> okay. which is that the two of the Danon were the original inhabitants of Ireland, according to legend. And then uh, the Milshans, who were not cake, by the way, they were people called the Milshans. Um, they arrived, so they actually sailed up from uh, Spain. Essentially, um, there's there's some uh, bits of, te- of various different texts that kind of track their origins right from like Babylon and Egypt and stuff, which is really cool and interesting, but I, I do not have the energy to go into it now. <laughs> so they arrived up from Spain and they were like, this looks nice, we'll have it. And the two who did and were not too happy with that and a war broke out, but the Milshans won against gods. So that's a logical plot hole, but we'll let it go because this thing is full of logical plot holes. <laughs> So what they decided is they were going to time, they were going to split up the country. They were going to draw a line down the middle, but it was vertically and not horizontally. So the two of the Danon took the other world or the below world and the Milshans who became the uh, ancient Irish people whom all 
um, like ethnically Irish people are supposed to be descended from took the above world, took here. And so that's how they, so they literally took their magic and shrunk themselves down and legged it underground, which I think is a very funny concept. <laughs> Um, I'm not making the majesty of our folklore sound great. So if you are not familiar with Irish folklore, um, please go find a, no- a better source than me, at least after this. So um, most fo- folkloric events in regards to fairies um, and their magical, mysterious ways um, are usually used to describe unexplainable events. So back when we did our very first mm, uh, together um I know you spoke about this again because you did um changelings and the story of Bridget I can't remember her second name uh who was accused of being a changeling um and she just got a cold and they were like clearly it's witchcraft um well not witchcraft in this case fairy magic um so basically you know uh unusual weather patterns uh Ill- like extreme illnesses anything like that were ascribed was ascribed to fairy magic unexpected deaths um and pre-christian monuments it's actually so unfortunately our folklore is as ever inextricably linked with the catholic church they had a huge influence on it um but they didn't stamp it out completely which is nice um it's obviously still a very strong tradition um so basically yeah as i said anything bad was usually ascribed to offending the fairies in some way um, and in general it was best to avoid angering them or insulting them in any way the fairy human relations bit of this whole section is kind of fascinating but um, obviously any like pre-Christian monuments anything like that that was all ascribed to the fae folk and they were often turned into um, like entrances to hell or ent- entrances to purgatory and stuff like that so what would have been known as entrances to the other world where the she lived they were suddenly entrances to hell so everything kind of got a little bit twisted um and then there's you've got your um fairy rings your fairy hills your fairy forts your fairy bushes and your fairy trees that's your five fairy important monuments and don't fuck with them is what i always learned we did talk about this the last time i um i found a fairy ring in like a great aunt's back garden and it was the, the grass ring and it was also a ring of mushrooms and I accidentally kicked over a ring of mushrooms and my relative put the shits up me by saying that the fairies were going to be pissed off at me um <laughs> I don't know if anyone else had a similar experience did you have ever have anything like that no um not really just that um I had a friend whose mom always used to say, if you ever got lost in a field to turn your clothes inside out and you'd be able to find yourself back home. Otherwise, if you didn't, you'd be lost to the fairies. That's interesting. That's not one I'd come across before. I know there's a lot of, um, you know, leaving a bowl of milk out for the fairies or leaving certain kinds of foods or flowers and things like that out on certain nights as well. There's a lot of a lot of the saints traditions and fairy traditions. There's a lot of crossover there as well, which is, again, the Catholic, the Catholic Church and, the, and Irish folklore kind of mixing in in a nice, very weird stew. Um, uh, what I found very interesting, one thing I did find is that this um, tradition of being very reverent of a fairy thing insert your thing here um is still taken quite seriously as up uh, as late as 1999 the ennis bypass was rerouted slightly to um so as to not uh disturb a fairy bush there was a particular i think it might have been a hawthorn tree or something all the locals were like you can't knock it down the fucking fairies will kill us and they were like oh shit all right and they just shifted the road over a little bit (laughs) Well, hawthorn they trees, they're it. like, hawthorn trees are like the, the sacred tree of Ireland, aren't they? Like you. They are. You, yeah. You should so hawthorn trees hawthorn. and fairy trees. Yeah. What I have it here is, is fairy bush. I must check. I think it was a hawthorn tree. Um, but yeah, so that's like, that's how seriously people do take it. That an entire bypass managed to get slightly rerouted. <laughs> and they nearly went through the hill of fucking Tara that one time. So you know how hard it is to get a bypass rerouted in this country. <laughs> You know what's really funny 
Um, you know how we always give out, well, I always give out about films being like, oh, look, the English are coming to Ireland and look at these weird little Irish folk who, you know, are really weird about their customs. And I'm like, that's so stereotypical. It's so like discriminative. And then but we are, like, we, we are. are like these things, <laughs> they actually occur. And then I'm just like, oh, here, but look, I know, it don't is. mess with the fairies. <laughs> yeah. It is funny. It's like, obviously it's not, it's not everyone. It's not super duper common, but yeah, I think particularly down in rural areas, there's just like, and it's, it's more that kind of stuff. I think I don't think like a lot of people would be like, Jesus Christ, I have to put the bowl of milk out or I'm going to die. But they would, they would be respectful of things like Hawthorne trees or, or what would have been known as fairy bushes or fairy forts. A lot of fairy forts are old Neolithic, um, uh, structures um like often like tombs and things like that um and like when you're a kid you're told because probably because your parents couldn't be arsed explaining um like bronze age <laughs> civilization to you they're just like it the fairies built it there was a wedge tomb um down on uh, an island that myself and my family go to during the summer um down in west cork uh it's still there it got did get hit by lightning though so it cracked in half which was very dramatic um, but uh, when I was a kid I was convinced convinced that it was built by the fairies and I loved that kind of shit as well so I was probably more inclined to believe that than like a bunch of dudes did it hundreds of thousands of years ago but <laughs> that was my sincere belief as much as I give out about these kind of films but I do appreciate that they don't depict the fairies as tinkerbells with glittery wings that they are fully aware of like what the fairies actually are yeah they're little impish gerblins that just want to cause pain and mischief (laughs) (laughs) do you think i i think that it's just it is just it's long-standing bitterness that they got given the shitty basement apartment oh absolutely like you know they had the whole fucking country and they were these giant deities and now they've been relegated to the fucking underworld which in ireland is marshland and bog um yeah so i get it uh, i get it it's a bit of a downgrade all right so yeah some, some of the methods that were employed and i think are still employed to keep fairies at bay garlands and marigolds and primroses at the door the wood of the ash rowan or blackthorn trees a bag of clover around your neck uh where all means of self-protection uh, protection from fairies um and this is actually sorry this is similar to what you were saying so to turn your coat inside out when a pat fairy was passing um, and they're not fond of iron, salt, or bread. The iron and the salt thing, I think, is interesting because that seems to be across like a multitude of folkloric traditions. That's not um, bread is interesting. Who hates carbs? But iron and salt are are not uh, unique to Irish folklore at all. You'd find that across um, across uh, like European, pan-European folkloric traditions and outside of that as well which I think is always very, very interesting you do wonder like was there something that really hated salt and iron? <laughs> well I always think about like Supernatural the the TV show because they fight mm. off everything with like salt and iron and you know to protect yourself you put yourself in a circle of salt it's in Hocus Pocus even um, to protect yourself from the witches you Yeah, yeah it's, in, it's in a lot of saying it's in yeah, lots and lots of different traditions. Um, so I always, I always find that fascinating when you have these kind of much broader crossovers. Like obviously there are fairy-like and imp-like um, trickster char- characters in like folklore from all over the world. Again, it's not not unique to Ireland. This is just our particular version of it. But anyway, um, I'll always be always be puzzled by that bread thing, though. That seems to be an Irish thing. Obviously, it was Irish mammies being like, "Don't or, like, eat your bread. Eat up there. <laughs> Keep the fairies away. Eat your crusts. <laughs> eat your crusts. Exactly. I'm not cutting the crusts off your bread. The fairies will get you in the night. <laughs> so, um, the interaction between the human world and the fairy world is is also always an interesting one. It seems to be. Fairies constantly trying to uh, screw over um, humans um, with the occasional uh, story the other way around, but mostly fairies and fairies screwing over humans. There's plenty of accounts of humans being stolen away by the little people, um, either in mind or body or both. I mean, obviously, we've discussed uh, changelings before, but uh, plenty of adults um, 
people were uh, seen to have been uh, stolen away by the fairies. Um, it was often said that they would have been put into servitude by uh, the fairies. I think we saw an example of that in one of the Leprechaun movies. One of the Leprechaun had a human slave um, who was indentured to him. Um, so there were, in many of these stories, there are attempts of like their loved ones to rescue them by following very specific and weird instructions, um, usually from some sort of wise woman. Um, and if they were followed exactly, you'd get your person back. And if not, they would live in the fairy world forever. Um, if you were fortunate, you might be returned by the fairy without any help from anyone else. But the problem was, as with um, uh, Tiernan Og, time in the fairy world does move differently to time in the uh, human world. So you could have been down there for an hour and you'd have been gone a year. Um, and that's a really common theme across a lot of, I think, Irish um, Irish fairy stories and folklore stories is that someone goes somewhere for and they stay with, uh, say, they're, they're fascinated by a fairy and they stay with them for a year or so. And then they decide to go back and like a decade has passed at home. Um, so that's really common. And this I remember being very um, perturbed by that theme of thinking you were only going away for a little while and coming back and like all your loved ones were old or gone. Um, I don't know if that's something that you I'm sure it is something you came across um, in your childhood uh, mainly through the legends of, of Tiernan Og and um, yes yeah. who was it that fell in love with uh, Neve and he went to Tiernan Og Oshin. and then when he, that's it when Oshin came back from Tiernan Og and everyone he loved had died and then he got off the horse yeah he got off the horse and he turned old instantly <laughs> Yes, dear God, Arshin, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, poor old Neve, she was a bit annoyed. Um, yeah, but so that's it's quite common. So your your loved one would disappear, and then they'd come back a decade later, and they'd be like, "I've been gone five minutes," um, which was a, <laughs> a fun theme. So fairies were said to employ humans to work for them for either one or seven years. And if you spent the full seven years with the fairy, they would return with a magical gift uh, because the number seven is an important symbol in Irish folklore. A symbol for what? I didn't look into it. I didn't think of it. Um, so we'll have to, that one will have to remain a mystery. But um, one of the shitty things about that is they would give you payment or their magical gift and you'd be like, sweet, I'm rich forever. And then you'd go back to the human realm and it wouldn't work or it would disappear because they would give you something that only really existed in the fairy realm. <laughs> Those darn fairies. Those darn fairies. So basically they were just, it was just wage theft all around really. <laughs> the capitalist bastards. The capitalist fuckers. Um, so in appearance, fairies, uh, in the Irish tradition at least, resemble humans, except small. Um, they eat cow, they keep livestock and sell them at fairs. So they were like, this is the thing. They were um, seen to be kind of common, actually, like in life for a while, <laughs> which does make me think some of this is just ableism. Um, so they kept livestock and sell them at fairs. They enjoyed whiskey and music. They like gold, obviously. Give me my gold. Um, particularly fond of milk and tobacco, but hated iron, fire, and salt. And the Christian religion. Lovely. <laughs> 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 uh, so, um, it was said that there were no women amongst the fairies, um, but that's clearly a lie because banshees are part of the the uh, the ace sort of pantheon of of creatures. <laughs> Um, so I don't really know where that particular thing comes from, but I suppose like in, in common depictions, if you say the wee folk, you're more likely to picture a leprechaun or a, a, a male figure, um, as opposed to a female one. I think, I don't think a lot of people think of things like the Banshees as part of that particular group. But it's funny because when you say fairy, you do yeah. kind of you automatically think, think of them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But in, in, in apparently in this particular tradition, um, as we've discussed previously, they would often steal children and young women and occasionally young men and leave withered cantankerous changelings in their place, which were usually um 
elders of their uh, of their race left to live out live out their retirement in the care of humans um which uh, as previously discussed i do think is legit hilarious i do sometimes wonder if some of this is just very early versions of irish humor because some of it's sort of patently ridiculous even for the time um they were known to bring disease on crops animals animals and humans um but generally if they were treated with neighborly consideration they would mind their own business and potentially reward favors but as we discussed oftentimes those favors were just illusions an illusion of favor um almost any death at the time other than a gentle gradual departure in old age was open to interpretation as the work of the fairies um and anyone who uh spent time in their company would wa- may waste away and die after returning home which i think was related to the um the growing old after spending a lot of time in their in their company um it was possible to follow um fairies into their realm and and force them to return the abducted human but um usually by uh by an amount of force that would not be seen seen favorably so i think um most people wouldn't bother they'd be like no my crops and the welfare of my community are worth more than this one this one <laughs> this one relative i potentially quite like Um, so that's kind of like a general overview of uh, kind of how fairies were seen. Like I say, very general, nothing, no specifics there um, of how fairies were seen by uh, kind of Irish society, particularly kind of from medieval times right through to, I think, 17, 18, 1900s. Um, a lot of um, of other stories would have been related to the she. So things like pukas leprechauns as i've previously said banshees and what you're actually going to talk about as well um uh and changelings they were all part of of the she of the fairy so it it, it kind of like you have this one idea of like the impish little trickster leprechaun which i think is kind of really the the main stay of irish fairies so who would kind of almost live amongst humans and, and operate in kind of their own their own laws and their own ways but they were just kind of there and then you have this other side like pukas and banshees who are very otherworldly altogether which does i think track more with them being all descended from the two Danann. but um it's it's quite a wide and varied um category of irish folklore i think and what films can you think of that kind of depict um the irish fae well obviously we have the leprechaun movies unfortunately and um that truly most terrifying of films Derby O'Gill and the Little People um <laughs> it had to be mentioned it had to be mentioned um I think You Are Not My Mother obviously it kind of falls into this category as well um when I was looking it up what I do have to say it was actually a lot less than I thought had taken direct inspiration because I feel like there's a lot to work with there, particularly the Banshees. I've seen some good short films that have taken direct inspiration from Irish folklore. But other than that, there's only kind of a few, which is a real shame because it's such a rich tradition. Um, yeah, there's another. I haven't actually seen this, but there's a 2015 film called The Hallow, um, yeah, which that's apparently quite good. is okay. Good, even yeah. though it's about an Englishman who's with his family to a remote Irish protagonist. <laughs> so I don't like that bit of it, but I do like the creature design and the actual fairies themselves. Um, yeah, and cool. I kind of like what happens to them. But other than that, I I don't really like the English person going to Ireland and they're being like they do have the locals there that kind of you know give them funny looks and stuff which I'm kind of like ugh about but I I do like the creature design um, I must check it out um because it is like as I said very incredibly rich um folkloric tradition that we do have and um I think it's just ripe for um 
for exploitation really by preferably Irish filmmakers obviously um I mean did I did I miss anything other than those those ones those would be the, the ones that jumped to mind um I'd go with the hole in the ground as well yeah did you say hole in the ground I didn't say hole in the ground uh, no but that's that's see that's another changeling film as well so yeah we're we're very yeah. into our changelings but like I think I definitely need a banshee film Yes, more Banshee films, definitely. Um, I think the changing thing is really coming from the trauma of the laundries and all that kind of stuff. Like there's obviously, a, a, there's a direct line there. Um, and there's a lot of working, like I think a lot of, of filmmakers are working out that particular generational and national trauma at the moment. Um, so it's it's not purely through that particular trope, but I, I think there's a connection there. Um, I did, I did watch Unwelcome, by the way. Well, no, I lie. I didn't finish Unwelcome. Oh, so you hated it. Okay. I just, I mean, I keep meaning to go back to it and finish it, but I just, I just haven't had the chance to yet. Um, Did but, what you saw, though, you weren't impressed with, I take it. It wasn't as bad. Sorry, as, take It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it definitely wasn't good. That's a shame, because as we discussed on our last um mm-hmm main main episode together um do really enjoy grabbers and i think like that's a good sense of irish humor so i would have hoped that he brought that to unwelcome but um yeah i look forward to seeing it for myself i tend to have a higher tolerance for this stuff than you do so i might love it (laughs) i think there's just quite a lot of problematic aspects about it where we've got the irish family who are kind of um portrayed as traveler like and you know they're the baddies and it's just yeah there's a lot of that and then also it's depiction of the main male character as well that they're kind of taking a piss out of him because he's not like you know manly man masculinity and he's quite fragile but not kind of touching on the fact that he might have like ptsd or something um it's yeah it just seems a bit clumsy clumsy writing Okay, yeah. No, that does, in particular, the traveller aspect, because mm. God knows if we have any problems with cultural intolerance in this country, one of its most obvious places is in our general relationship with the traveller community. With So I, I, that that does raise some serious concerns. <laughs> yeah, I just wish that they'd concentrated more on the Far Jarrig, um aspect mm. rather than kind of making it feel a bit like an afterthought. I just wish that they'd concentrated more on that than this other line with this family um so yeah i wonder if someone somewhere knew that because the trailer that i saw was much more concentrated on the fair jarg yeah. aspect than the other like yes there was like a menacing column meanie in the background but yeah the focus was on the creature feature of it all yeah and that's what got me interested so that's that is disappointing to hear but uh, yeah i will i will reserve full judgment until i actually watch it myself yeah but i'm i've been spoiled by um decent pay for streaming services so now when i need to download something i'm like Ugh, why? <laughs> why is it not one of, why is it not one of the three or four streaming services i already pay for it damn it i know it's so annoying when you're looking for a film and it's not on any of the streaming services it is just it is so annoying <laughs> I know, so irritating. Really but anyway, um, so yeah, um, that is my uh, brief and incomplete history of the wee folk of Ireland. <laughs> okay, so I am, you know, you've kind of, you, you touched on it a little bit, um, but I am going to talk about Ireland's vampire legends. Um, now, we all know that Ireland has a strong tradition of vampires in literature, what with uh, Bram Stoker writing Dracula, as well as Sheridan Lefanu writing Armilla, um, both vampires. Now, of course, everyone thinks that Bram Stoker was influenced by uh, Year One from Transylvania. That I've just completely forgot. Vlad the Impaler. There Vlad. we go. I was like, what's Vlad his the name? Impaler. Vlad, Vlad, Vlad. <laughs> um, yes, but apparently, from a lot of sources, he just got the name and kind of the location. Um, whereas everything else, it's been said, it's rumoured to have been said that he was actually very influenced by the Irish legend of the Avrotok, um, which is a very early Irish legend. Now, Avrotok is also the Irish for dwarf. 
So dwarf as in, you know, an elf or a fairy person, basically. Yes. Um, and the Avertok is based around uh, the north of Ireland. A lot of the uh, legends come from, you know, up where Fermanagh is, um, uh, Derry, uh, from that kind of northern area of Ireland is where these legends come from. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know why I keep laughing. Um, so, the folklore of the Avertok is that he was a a very nasty she who came across Finn McCool. And this Avertok was kind of a magician and a tyrant, and he was really cruel to people. And he was one day vanquished and killed by a chieftain, Finn McCool. Um, and he was buried uh, in a standing way. He was buried standing up. Um, but the next day when people went back to his grave to see if he was actually dead, it appeared that he had risen um, and he was just as bad. He was even more cruel, even more violent. And so the chieftain, Orphan McCule, had to kill him again. But then when they went back the next day, he was risen again. This fucker wouldn't stay down. <laughs> so then, How many times we got to kill this guy? Yeah. Right? Okay, so the chieftain went to a druid and was like, look, we have a problem. And the druid said, right, you're going to you're going to kill him again and then but you're going to bury him with his head downwards, which apparently would make all his magic drain because apparently he's magic collected in the pool of his feet or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> or when he woke up he'd just get confused and be like oh it's not worth it <laughs> and apparently that would stop the avatar from rising again now there is other versions of the story of avatar that when he did rise from his grave it was to drink the blood of the neighboring communities um and the chieftain isn't Finn McCure it's actually um a chieftain called Kahane um and instead of a druid he so this is again it's like mixing in with Christianity so apparently he went to a Christian saint instead of a druid and it was the uh Christian saint that was like well the Avertod Avertod is one of the Nave Marv or the Walking Dead um and this is where the vampire lore kind of comes from that you know it's dead corpses rising from the grave to drink oh. blood and the only way that he can be uh killed is made with a sword of yew wood which is basically a stake of what we know now as a stake um and then burying him upside down again maybe it's you know what it is maybe it's just to confuse them so when they wake up they try and like dig up but they're actually digging down that's what I said. Bury them upside down. They get yep. confused and then they give up, or they get lost. <laughs> they end up down with the rest with the rest of the fairies. They're like, oh bollocks, back here again. Um, and so yes, to bury them upside down, and then you have to surround the grave with thorns and place a large stone on top of the grave. I love how convoluted most like pre-Dracula vampiric traditions are. Because this it's the same in like Europe and stuff like that. And then there was like there was a big vampire panic in um uh in the US in like the late 18, early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Um and the reason they know this is because when they found like graves, they were all like, you know, it was like heads found between feet and like mummified hearts and boxes and shit. <laughs> because it was all really, you know, or people buried in weird um uh, yeah weird directions like coffins buried on their heads and stuff like that because that's a really common thing across a lot of vamp uh, vampiric tradition you know yeah. as we were saying about the salt and the iron and stuff is that in order to stop them it wasn't just the stake through the heart it was decapitate them put the stake through the heart make sure the head was in a very nice box that was placed between their legs and that they were buried northeast on a Sunday yeah or it was like surround the grave or put like fresh seeds or flowers in the yeah. grave as well and that's probably where the garlic came from because like wild garlic yes. was probably put in the grave 
Yeah, I wonder if that was like uh, the roots will bind them kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Mm. So Avratok's grave is actually a place that you can go visit that I feel we need to put on our list of let's go visit weird places. Um, I do. I do think we need to do our little like YouTube mini series of us just going around visiting interesting places. <laughs> just us standing in really cold, rainy Irish fields. <laughs> But then eventually it'll be so charming and so successful that we'll get the money to go to LA to go to the Winchester house and that'll make up for it all. <laughs> then it'll be us standing around looking weird in sunny places. Avertok's grave is now known as Slaverty's Dolmen and or the Giant's Grave, which kind of plays into like the Tuatadanan kind of, you know, the giant. Um, and it is, yeah, large rock with two smaller rocks and it's under a hawthorn. Um, yeah, which we have previously said about the hawthorn trees. Um, and it's located in the townland of Schlocht Averty, uh, which is in Derry in Northern Ireland. Very good. Yeah. So it, the Avertok has been depicted in the 2021 Irish film Boys from County Hell, which is hilarious. I really loved it. Um, <laughs> I would definitely recommend that. Uh, it's quite funny um and in in this he's depicted as like the giant vampire who drains people of their blood um and he is awoken because a road is being built that is going to go through his dolmen and that's why he's awoken so this is why we don't build roads through fairy stuff (laughs) we try not to anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for people that aren't, aren't aren't from ireland that are listening they did try and build like a massive fucking motorway basically right through um like the hill of tara and newgrange um, <laughs> like some of ireland's most precious historical landmarks and there was um well it's also sorry they didn't actually try and build through it but they were building very close by and they were like we don't need to dig you found everything and everyone was like that's probably not right <laughs> <laughs> we do have a bit of a horrible history but it, it is nice to hear that sometimes these 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 um uh traditions are being upheld in a in a serious way um mm. i'm just looking at i just get, gave the giant's grave ireland a, a brief google and there are actually quite a few dotted around the country and they all seem to be these big portal tombs or wedge tombs mm-hmm. like dolmens which is really cool yeah so it's um... all these like megalithic um tomb sites and they're yeah they actually can find a lot of them in this country to be fair yeah i mean where like in mayo you could just trip over and there you've got like a dolmen <laughs> it's true it is it is fun like i always think it's like people are you get americans that are really obsessed with how like the ain't you know ancient ireland and all this kind of stuff and we and we do just really take it for granted but it is really fucking cool Mm. when you think about it like you can just go for a walk down the country like less than an hour's drive out of dublin and you will genuinely find like ancient tombs and just be like oh there you are (laughs) (laughs) i know it's such like commonplace for us just to be like there's an ancient tomb yeah it's uh, so yeah we really do we really should appreciate it all a little bit more but um Mm. that being said sometimes american tourists are also annoying so (laughs) Um, and then we have another vampire legend called uh, the Jaragadu or the Jaragdur, depends where you're from. Um, and I like to think, this isn't official, but I do like to think Carmilla is kind of based off this character. Um, I'm kind of bitter there hasn't been a film adaptation of this because I just think it's amazing and I really think it's due one. Um, so the legend of the Jaragdur is from Waterford, but there's obviously it, it it's also been said it's from wexford so who knows um <laughs> one of the w's <laughs> so maybe also Wicklow. <laughs> probably um so back 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 when uh, arranged marriages were a thing amongst chieftains and villages and communities um in a village in waterford uh, there was this beautiful beautiful peasant woman and she fell in love with another local peasant, a farmer, and they really wanted to get married. They really wanted a family. But her gobshite of a father, um, 
Sorry, it's just it's just typical, isn't it? You're like, oh, there's a the lovely young woman. Uh, there's probably there's a gobshite of a man somewhere coming. I can feel it. <laughs> there's several. There's several. Yeah. Um. So her gobshite of a father was horrible, and he was wicked, and he didn't care for his daughter, didn't love her, um, and he actually wanted her to marry, um, a really evil chieftain because he was willing to pay a lot of money just to marry her um and so this local chieftain he was he was very wealthy but he was a big brute and he was nasty and horrible um so one day the father went to the chieftain completely unbeknownst to his daughter like she had no clue what was going on and between the chieftain and the father they made the marriage proposal because why would you need the woman there goodness no because she'd be too emotional she might say no (laughs) so the chieftain promised to give the father land and money in exchange for the daughter's hand in marriage um and when the the woman found out what her father had done she was so angry but she knew that you know there was nothing that she could do um so the day of the wedding came and the the bride obviously had to get married to this horrible, horrible man. Um, and the the local farmer that was actually her true love, he decided that he was going to do whatever it takes to get revenge on this whole marriage thing that happened between the woman's father and the woman's husband. <laughs> um, so it turned out that the chieftain was a lot more violent than what people originally thought and he would lock his new bride away for days and weeks and basically used her as a trophy um so she stopped eating she stopped drinking and because of this she died um pretty soon after the wedding and even though this chieftain was very rich um he gave her well he didn't really give her a burial he basically just placed her underground and that was it And then he remarried really quickly afterwards. Um, And even her father didn't care about her death because he had his massive new fortune from basically selling his daughter. Um, And the only person that really grieved her death was, of course, the local farmer, her true love. And every time he went to her grave, his feelings of vengeance just got bigger and bigger. Um, So it is from this point that the vampiric legend begins. So the spirit of the woman couldn't rest because she was so angry uh, with what had happened with her, the chieftain and her father. And this is what led to her rising from the grave, kind of wanting to get her vengeance. So she first went to her father's home and killed him while he was asleep. And then she went to the house of the chieftain, her husband. And when she burst into his home, um, she discovered that he was in bed with a lot of women. So he was really grieving her, really grieving her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so hard. So the woman um, attacked the chieftain and killed him straight away. And after she had killed him, she then went to suck all the blood from his body. So after sucking all the blood out of her terrible husband, um, she found herself kind of invigorated and really feeling like alive and not so much a walking corpse. And so this made her realize that she had a hunger for blood and that she would have to get more to continue being strong. So this is where the Jaragdur came from. Um, and even though there is no word in like Irish that is dur or Jew, it basically mm. came to mean like a red bloodsucker. Um, so she used to like all good female monsters she would use her beauty to lure young men into dark places and there she would drink from their necks Um, but with every feast she would be more and more hungry and nothing really satiated her Um, and then um, she basically this legend just kind of disappeared there was no end for her so she obviously just went off into the night and lived her good life um but there is a grave in waterford that is said to be the grave of this woman and it is at a place called strongbow's tree 
so that's another place we put on our our list but yeah place to put on our our horror tour of ireland yeah so what i would really love if if they took that legend and then meshed it with carmilla i just think that would be a really good origin story for carmilla that would be very very a very cool origin story for carmilla yeah Mm. so yeah idea yeah and i actually have i have a, a print by um loki puka dove of the Jaragder in my room because i just love that that uh legend so much amazing yeah yeah no that's 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 not one that i was i was familiar with um really before i mean i looked into it a little bit when you mentioned that that's what you were going to cover then i was like no spoilers um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh but yeah like it's it's nice because i mean there's not a lot of with the exception of the banshee there's not a lot of like female like what it's particularly post to the dan and like you got the morgan and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um era the, the you know female participation in folklore as characters kind of unless they're being horribly uh persecuted by their men um, <laughs> sort of uh, falls away quite significantly and i'd imagine that's the catholic church influence as well but it's still really nice to hear obviously i know this is also a story about a woman being horribly persecuted by men but at least she gets her uh her due revenge yeah um so yeah that is my my little tales of the irish vampire laws very cool very very cool yep yep um so that kind of concludes our irish irish episode yeah just off the back of st patrick's day weekend um i though i do feel like i i was remiss in mentioning uh, now it's not um not a horror movie, but obviously we've just been, as a nation, a filmmaking nation, we've just been well represented internationally by uh, the Banshees of Inish Aaron. Did you see that? Oh, yeah, I have. I actually, that is, because I very rarely watch non-horror, I, like literally that and um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is like <laughs> like the two films, two non-horror <laughs> films I've watched recently. What a wonderful combination. Right? Did you just watch the Unbearable Weight, weight of Na- Massive Talent because of your, your new horror daddy? Pablo I mean, yes, but... <laughs> but also Nick Cage being Nick Cage. You know what I needed? I because obviously last week was just super. It was just a really anxious week for me, mm. and um, I just needed something really like funny and light. And I like had people recommend The Unbearable Weight, and I put it on, and I laughed out like I never laugh out loud at films, <laughs> and I was cracking up. It's such a good film we yeah we saw that one in the cinema and i really really enjoyed it it is very silly um and it was ex- again it's exactly what you need if that's if you like nick cage as well and just enjoy him like really so leading into it. his own like persona and the yeah. his own awareness of it, how kind of ridiculous it is it's yeah. it's really wonderful yeah um what did you think of the banshees of inishirin though i thought it was okay i did i liked the general um narration i liked the the dialogue i thought brendan gleason and um colin colin farrell sorry i've ju- i watched a film this morning with colin firth in it so i'm like <laughs> i want to say colin Far- colin F- farrell i thought they were brilliant i love jenny the donkey i barry keown was the standout for me he i was, just he was fantastic i just felt the whole metaphor of this is the irish civil war was really reductive Oh, it was. It was hugely reductive. I, yeah. I, I just chose not to take it like that. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to ignore that particular bit of it and just enjoy it for what I'm enjoying it for. Yeah. Um, which was like, uh, I kind of just looked at it as sort of a, a meditation on like loneliness and that idea of, you know, when you're you you are friends with people not because you actually have anything in common or because you like each other because like proximity and convenience yeah and the the real the realization of of that just not being um uh okay anymore i enjoyed it for that like taking out the wider metaphor i was like i'm you know what i'm just gonna throw that in the trash because i don't like it (laughs) um yeah i i was disappointed there wasn't like an actual actual banshee (laughs) i mean i know there's the old woman that's kind of like the banshee imagery i was going to say but breezy knocked on as the banshee was very yeah. funny yes she was hilarious in it yeah um and i think the uh the nation was acquitted well um even though i think martin mcdonough can sometimes be a bit of a problematic figure um i i, I do i did enjoy it yeah 
Um, um, so- but as I say, one of my favorite things that I found recently, and I will send you the link and feel free to throw it up on the Twitter. Um, someone, I'm not sure who, I'm sure I can get the credits. Um, someone made like an, a 16 or 24 bit like Pac-Man style game of mm. the Banshees of Inish Aaron. And you're Brendan Gleeson running around trying to pick up fingers, trying to get away from Colin Farrell. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is brilliant. I it is. It. It's genuinely brilliant. I'll send you the link just for your own entertainment and uh, feel free to share it with our many listener. Yes. Um, I will say that actually Brendan, Brendan Farrell, um, Colin Farrell's jumpers were made by a local Wicklow woman. So oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did look very cozy all of the time. And I honestly like when like uh, major spoilers for the Banshees finish Aaron. So if you haven't seen it and you want to not be spoiled, stop listening right now. But when Jenny the donkey died, I had a fully emotional moment. Mm. I was ruined by that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I did tell you that 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 animal deaths in movies are just really like ruining me at the moment. I don't know what it is. But at the moment, I just can't take it. Like, I just, I I end up a blubbering mess. And no matter what the context, it's really terrible. (laughs) I can't remember the last time a film affected me. (laughs) Oh, I know. I I need to find, I need to find a film that's going to, you know what it was, actually? There is a film that really affected me. It's called Next Next Exit. Um, That film? Yes. So. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. I, I saw it at Fright Fest. Um. It oh, you is, told me about it. Yeah. yeah, and it's just I need to watch it again, but I need to be in a, a depressed mood. Like I need to be going through like my depressive kind of stages to watch it again to have because I find it really difficult to cry sometimes. It's like I want to cry, but my tear ducts are dried up. <laughs> so I'm I like, I <laughs> have that problem, but I don't anymore. Uh, <laughs> which is like both a good thing and a bad thing because you can get your catharsis out. You can have like a good cathartic cry when you yeah. need, you know, just like watch some I love animal videos on YouTube and I'm done but then it also means that like you know you're in the doctor's office and the telly's playing and suddenly an ad for the ISPCA comes on and you're fucked um <laughs> so you know it's a... yeah it's, so it's got its, it's got its good sides and its bad sides <laughs> yeah so I, I'm I'm just waiting until I need a really cathartic cry until I, yes. I but you know what I'm actually also scared of that I'm gonna watch it again and not have the same reaction and Probably, just be like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm reading the, uh, um, the synopsis now. Yeah, it looks quite heavy. All right. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, oh God, what's his face? I can't even remember his name now. The director. Rail. Uh, Elfman. That that's the director. Uh, Rail Coley, the the main guy. Oh yes, yeah. He's in oh, all like yeah. the the Mike Flanagan TV shows. Oh yes, um, it's his, it's his one that really, like his performance really gets me. Yeah, I don't think I can. Oh, because I love him. Yeah. Um, I'm always very upset when he dies and things. Yeah, <laughs> I I used I watched I Zombie back in the day okay. and he was in that and he was very charming and I was like, well, yeah, you're a you're a ride or die. <laughs> and I do I do enjoy him in the Mike Flanagan ones as well. Yeah. Um. So yes, um, where can people find you, Ruby? Uh, anywhere that's important or that I care about, at least you can find me at the Ruby Noir. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to us on. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at what underscore scream on Instagram, what a scream. Um, and I, I think that's everything. Next, we've still got to discuss what we're going to do next month, um, whether we're going to do a biggie or whether we haven't quite got the the mental disposition do that yet (laughs) (laughs) um so yes goodbye goodbye